My Eagle enthusiasts, it's Fairway Rolling, presented by FanDuel. Major season is here, and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Stumped about what to get Dad for Father's Day? What better gift to open in front of the U.S. Open telecast than a gift from Callaway Golf? Maybe some Chrome Soft golf balls or a new PM grind lob wedge? Or how about the good old-fashioned gift card? Callaway's compiled a can't-miss list of items. Check them out at CallawayGolf.com and find easy links for all these great gift ideas. That's CallawayGolf.com. And today's Shack House is brought to you also by the new HBO series Any Given Wednesday with Bill Simmons, which features intimate conversations with compelling guests from the worlds of pop culture, sports entertainment, the arts, and technology. Any Given Wednesday with Bill Simmons will also include field segments and Simmons' signature commentary on current events. Make sure to watch Any Given Wednesday with Bill Simmons, premiering Wednesday, June 22nd at 10 p.m. on HBO. And finally, we're also brought to you by our new website, TheRinger.com, presented by Miller Lite. Go on now and check out the latest in pop culture, sports, and tech at TheRinger.com. Let's go to the Shack House. Welcome to another great edition of the Shack House. I'm Jeff Shackelford, and he is Joe House in Washington, D.C. House, how you doing today? Yeah, it's going to be a great edition. It's U.S. Open Week. Uh, I'm doing awesome, Jeff, in no small part because the weather here in Washington has turned, uh, taken a turn towards the incredible. I'm not sure how it is up in Pittsburgh, but we have um, some kind of system going on here where it's bright and sunny. The humidity is down. We had a little bit of a taste of summer over the weekend, but um, I'm hoping for this weather up in Pittsburgh all week long for the oh. U.S. Open because I want to see the golf course be the thing that kicks dudes in the ass. I don't know if uh, we need any bad weather to compound the mess. No, we never need bad weather. Well, it's been absolutely spectacular. I got in late Saturday. It was very hot and humid. Yesterday was dry and absolutely incredible. Very windy, so the thing, the place was already kind of drying out. 
It's cooler and still very dry today, so things are really baking out nicely. Now, I just grabbed the latest weather forecast here in the media center at uh, Oakmont, site of the 2016 U.S. Open, and um, unfortunately, I am seeing some, some rain in the forecast later in the week, so right now it doesn't look like anything too awful except maybe Wednesday night, um, but even that's kind of not a huge rain amount, hopefully. Um, because the golf course is in absolutely unbelievable shape. I mean, there isn't a blade of turf out of place, and the greens are already really quick, <laughs> really nasty. So um, you walked it yesterday it's, it's or today? It's a spectacular place. I did. I walked yesterday. I saw about 14 holes, and uh, it is absolutely amazing. I have not been here since the early 90s. So they have gone on, and everybody knows if they've read any of the pre-tournament coverage, all sorts of uh, stories about the tree removal and the efforts to bring back the old golf course, and it is spectacular. You, you feel like when you walk out there, it is 1927, and uh, you've entered this other world of golf that's uh, – uh, you've gone back in time, and yet it's very much a modern – uh, golf course that can can withhold the uh, barrage of of things that players can throw at a, a golf course now with technology. It's uh, so cool, and the and and the USGA has abandoned. I don't know if this is just for this year, but um, they they introduced how these new video scoreboards last year. They were they were pretty terrible, and uh, they didn't they didn't always work, and they didn't always give you the scores. And so they've gone back to the old manual leaderboards and the big. Uh, scoreboard on 18. Well, not the. It's not the, as big as it used to be, but it just gives that vibe of, of a traditional place. It's it's looks like every other U.S. Open that's that's been held here, minus some trees. Well, it's, it's a pretty it's a it's a pretty good formula. Uh, Oakmont's been pretty successful at hosting U.S. Opens. I'm really happy about the manual scoreboard. I always prefer that. It's one of the charming things about Augusta, and you know I don't think you know in terms of the live event that the sort of scrolling screen um, when you're walking the venue is you know crucial to your overall uh, viewing enjoyment the the course itself the ambiance the environment what's going on the sounds all that stuff is enough definitely the case at Oakmont I'm interested in asking uh, and hearing you tell me about your strategy when you walk a golf course like Oakmont that you haven't been to in 20-some in years, do you walk with a couple golf balls in your pocket maybe? <laughs> no, I didn't yesterday. I don't like are to you, be looking like I... Are you like allowed I, to do that? Uh, I, probably, yesterday I could have on a Sunday. I think today with the practice rounds I'd be pushing it. Um, well, what, I, I what like I wanna, to watch other people hit shots. What, and I'm asking about the balls the because course. I've seen some pictures on the social media of you know balls disappearing in the rough um yeah uh bryson dechambeau the dechambeezy had a, a photo of standing over a ball where you could barely see the very top of the dimples um the way it fell into yeah. the rough and it looked like he you know he, all he'd done is is drop it um did you see any of that kind of um uh, you know torture treatment while you were walking around you don't- yeah, no. Normally, I'm not too fascinated with the rough, and I do kind of regret now not having taken a couple with me because when I started seeing some of that stuff, I mean, I was walking in the rough a lot, so I kind of felt it, and I've never seen rough like this. It's not it's not ridiculously tall, but it's like walking on Kakuya grass, 
which is is so spongy. And you know, I was tired last night from because I was walking mostly in rough, trying to walk around a group or or just uh, checking out different features. And it is house. It is like uh, on steroids. It is <laughs> it is uh, nasty. I saw two shanks. I only saw maybe twenty shots hit yesterday, and, and I saw two two good players hit uh, just classic shanks and. The, the 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 good news is it's not real tall the bad news though is that it's so thick they've got it so dense from from obviously from the the winter and springtime rains and all that and whatever they put in it that i kind of don't know if there's really going to be that ability to scramble from around the greens you know it, it, there's a feeling that somebody can kind of get up and down a decent amount and and that that player is going to be at a big advantage over a ball striker who hits a lot of greens but maybe isn't a great putter i'm starting to wonder about that i i just don't i think it's so thick it's taken some of the skill out of the recovery shot around the greens uh from what oh, i've seen so wow. far so you you yeah. you know one of the things that i was honing in on as i was preparing my uh my betting matrix for this week was indeed the um shots gained around the green which is a 30 yard in metric and what you're telling me is because the rough um is of such a, a dense quality and is going to be so penal all the way up to the green that maybe that metric um is diminished a little bit maybe i ought not to be focusing on that metric i think it's going to be even more uh prominent around the greens because off the fairway so what they do is they they have it at i i feel like the number is at two and a half to three inches uh for the general rough and then it gets to like five inches way off which is where people start to mash it down and then they have native grasses but and then leading into the fairway bunkers they have it at about it looks to me like about an inch and a half i haven't seen the actual number but it's cut at a at a height that will allow balls to that most of the time roll into the bunker but then at the greens it's at that same depth as it is off the fairways at two and a half inches, let's say. But at least back in the fairway, you're taking a full swing at it and you're you're chopping at it and it, able to advance it. When you're around the greens, you're trying to hit a flop to a green that's 14 on the stint meter. It's just a you're really more just trying not to double hit it. You're just trying to advance it out of there, and so. I feel like that takes skill out of the equation for the player who does have that ability to hit that great flop shot and land it in a spot and feed it down to the hole. And so, yeah, that that was kind of the one takeaway I had that I hadn't expected yesterday uh, in seeing that. And then you saw on the social media stuff various players putting up shots of people uh, bungling shots out of the rough or the ball just disappearing so i'm not a big fan of that interestingly in the new golf digest jack nicholas has a my shot and he kind of goes into a whole thing about how he he really thinks that the old style usga setup like this with rough is a test of skill and it made him a better player and because it made him change his wedge game and he didn't convince me but i i admired him for at least trying to make the case and i i think his case will be Will not look so great potentially after the end of this week, uh, when the when we've seen some players hit some shots around greens that we're not used to seeing them hit. People people who know what they're doing with a wedge in their hand. So that's what what sh- as we uh, are thinking about um, ways that we might spend some of our hard earned money. What metric then <laughs> does start to make sense? A a, uh, a greens in regulation metric uh you know guys with great uh, um, incredible ball striking uh talent those are the guys i think so 
And uh, I also here here's the other thing I'm kind of on the fence about is Oakmont going to be kind of a, a a lot of irons off the tees and and a very conservative approach. Or are we just going to see some people do kind of what Angel Cabrera did here the last time, the, who won in 2007? Uh, are they just going to kind of attack and bomb and gouge and and in in some select places on the golf course just decide to try to overpower it? I mean, yesterday on the first hole, now it was blowing pretty hard, and I was walking down the fairway, and there's nobody out there, and I come over the crest of the hill, and there's Adam Scott and Stevie Williams and. Uh, somebody who plays tennis very well named Justin, but it wasn't, uh, I don't know who it was. Anyway, I, I've been meaning to look that up. Um, and uh, they were, uh, Scott, that's 482. Scott had about, he was about 85 yards short of the green. And, and he and Steve Williams both tried to just putt from there down the hill. And Steve Williams did it about 15, 20 feet. Adam was about 35, 40 feet. And, uh, and then they tried some wedge shots, and 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 then he saw me, and and I said, "Was this your? How'd you hit this tee shot?" And he said, "He said pretty good, but I could have, you know, if I'd known that I could get this that much closer to the green, I I might have, you know, taken a little harder swing." And I have a feeling there are a few holes like that. Now, number one's kind of an extreme hole here, but I feel like there are going to be some holes where we're just going to see DJ or Jason Day just say, "Screw it, huh. absolutely." try to power it as far down the hole and then if they're in the rough then they're they're at least taking a full swing with a wedge as opposed to say an eight iron or seven iron and i don't know i i i'm not positive that could be the case but i i it would not surprise me if we see some of that kind of golf because the, the way the guys can carry it now this is not a long golf course for those players and they tend to tend to like to be able to kind of bomb and gouge and you Did don't think that the rough is going <laughs> to... <laughs> yes and no. I mean, you understand I'm processing all this through the filter yeah. of, you know, how, sure. how am I going to allocate uh, my capital this week? Um, yes. But it sounds like, in a way, this this uh, um, might... You know, the, 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 the theory that I'd kind of been working under was that the rough is the thing that makes up for the yardage. You know, it's not a 7,700 or 7,800 yard course, but because players are going to have to turn and hit um, from bad lies into the fairway, that helps um, kind of, the, that, that gives the course its, its um, defense against the bombers. And you just mentioned you watched 20 shots and 10% of those, two out of the 20, were shanks, so I, I like that. You know, I like that gives me some um, <laughs> confidence in terms of you know who, what kind of guys I want to focus in on here. Um, but uh, you, you, the preference for for full wedge shots by guys that might hit the ball, you know, be able to carry it three thirty on some of these you know shortish par fours. I'm going to have to think about this a little bit. Well, and what and, and I think that strategy is yet to be determined whether players will try it. I just think, though, that it is very much a possibility that we see that. And uh, I think it'll be fascinating to watch. And I just thought this was going to be mostly about second shots, putting. And I won't be surprised, though, if that equation, uh, or that is part of the equation. Now, then there's also just the greens. And I think the, the thing that's going to be so fascinating to watch in this event and I had a, a nice chance to meet with uh, Paul Azinger. He was in L.A. last week, and I wrote a little column for GolfDigest.com that will go up later today. But talking to him about the greens, and I, I asked him, I said, Paul, you know, am I seeing things, or do I just see a group of 
a generation of players who, even though greens are generally 12 on the stint meter every week on the tour, who hit putts incredibly hard. And he just he feels that the artistry is so far gone from putting for most players. They're so mechanical. They're so uh, into aim point and pulling out their yardage book. And there's just so little green reading and feel uh, and and just that feel of the right hand driving the stroke, you know, you, you used to be players would would just could practice their putting with their right hand. They'd almost be all right-handed, and now you got you know left hand low and claw. And they're so much uh, in the way of mechanics in putting that you put them on a set of greens like this that have so much break, require so much imagination and local knowledge and courage and confidence that. It's going to weed out so many putters and so many modern players. And, and I guess that's where I just kind of keep circling back to Jordan Spieth, that he is, uh, even though he's left-hand low, and even though he pulls out his yardage book on the greens, um, he is still a very imaginative putter. And he has the ability to absorb these contours and, and, and love them and love the, the challenge of making putts here. And there just aren't that many players like that. Well, uh, uh, so this is uh, interesting. So uh, I'm basically just giving you every possible. Everybody in the field can win. <laughs> no, I know it's it's a helpful segue though. So um, of the three guys that everybody's super excited to see head to head competition here, Spieth Day and, and Rory, all of whom are in great form right now, um, you just sound like you expressed a preference for Spieth. Who do you think is going to win? I think Jason Day is going to win. Uh, I won his That's putting. That's funny, is, me too. Yeah, his putting is so much better, and he leads every, almost every statistical category, or he's in the top five in every important putting category. And uh, I love him for a couple of reasons. One, he's got two runner-ups. He finished ninth last year with the Vertigo. He's trending in the right direction in this event, in every event. He got here Saturday, played with... Governor John Kasich of uh, Ohio and two other uh, people uh, who are one a member and another guy from uh, from Columbus who where Jason lives and he said all the right things about the golf course. In fact, I think I uh, I think there was something pretty telling in his quote. He says, "If I had to choose, I'd choose courses like this." Uh, he was telling. Uh, Jerry Dulac of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette is doing great coverage uh, from the local paper. Uh, even though this has some length to it, it's still got the old-school flavor. The greens are the biggest thing for them. If you get it dry, the greens and green speeds are the defense for this course. But he went on and on about how much he loves the place and old-fashioned golf and this and that. And so when I, I, I hear that, like there's a quote from Mickelson in a Jason Sobel piece where he, he whittles golf courses down to hard, fun, and great, and he and he just said this one's not fun. It's not great. It's just hard, and I, I don't like hearing that Phil is uh, turned on a course a little bit. That doesn't mean anything necessarily, but it's not great. So I mean, Jason loves the course. Great U.S. Open record of late. He can putt. He can bomb it if he wants to bomb it. He can hit iron all day long off the tees if he wants. I, there's just no weakness in his game. You know, Spieth has has so many strengths, and has the most important strength here with the putting. Uh, Rory McIlroy may have the most important strength with kind of the grinded out, hit the greens and regulation, but you feel like the putting could be a question. And so you just kind of go back to Jason Day. If he gets the luck of the draw, he's, he's got to be the favorite. Yeah, well, the thing you mentioned that's most appealing to me about Jason Day is he's put on a display to us over the last you know three or four months of being able to um, play 
golf courses with a with a variety of different tools and techniques. What he did at the players with his two iron was really the thing that is you know leaves the strongest taste in my mouth for a guy that can take the challenge of of Oakmont and because he has so many options available to him I you know anything is possible with him I feel like maybe we we won't see him swing driver once the entire you know four rounds yeah. or maybe he'll you know mix it in as a variety kind of thing his I, I really was impressed by his performance in Austin you know that uh, a, a, a course that was so um, tight and required such precision um, the the what he did with the two iron at the players and you know in the at the players he was not accurate off the tee but he was exquisite around the greens and the putting yeah. is the thing that um, you know as we enter into this uh, tournament with the, the the legendary greens at Oakmont. Um, he, he, it's a bunch of because it's a U.S. Open. It's a bunch of five feet to ten feet, um, you know, left for par. A bunch of those par putts yeah. that are you know five feet to twelve feet. And of all the dudes that are in that upper upper echelon, he's the one that I feel like has the the you know. I'm I'm kind of most confident and most calm watching him stroke those, even more so than Spieth, which is really saying something, mm. considering where, what yeah. we've seen of, of of Jordan over the last year. Uh, one last thing to note about Day: he uh, tees off at 2:20 on Thursday, and then 8:35 off the 10th tee on Friday. He's paired with Louis Oosthuizen and Adam Scott, and again, great pairing, right up his alley. Whereas um, one little bit of a concern with Spieth. Uh, he has by Bryson DeChambeau and Zach Johnson, and um, you may recall he played with Bryson at the Masters, and uh, Jordan took a lot of the heat for being the slow one, but I think Bryson was the slow one there. And, and this group, uh, the, the person who's slowest of all in that group is Zach Johnson. So that um, it's just one of those weird little things. He's, he has time to prepare and mentally get ready for that, but uh, it's it's a it's just something to keep an eye on. Um, House, let's go through some odds and. And uh, a few of the little prop bets. But before we do that, can I tell you a little bit about one of our sponsors today, Helix? You may recall. Oh, They've please been do. a sponsor with us before. Oh, yeah. do. Uh, well, you know, they, they're, may, they're trying to change kind of the way you buy a, a mattress, and I think it's pretty cool. Uh, because, you know, buying a mattress makes you feel violated. It's maybe the pushy salespeople it's feeling a little weird sitting on a mattress in a store and kind of checking it out or the the uh milk and president's day for a sale uh and then just feeling like you may regret uh, what you bought and you'll never know until you get it at home so uh those days are over thankfully with helix sleep you can buy your mattress online customized for you for hundreds of dollars uh instead of thousands just go to helixsleep.com answer a few simple questions i've already done this it's pretty uh shocking simple uh, and helix creates your custom sleep profile to build you the most comfortable mattress you'll ever sleep on uh, it'll arrive at your door in about a week shipping's 100 percent free and uh you know if you do love your helix mattress keep it and your dignity you don't have to go to those creepy stores anymore and do all that you have 100 nights to try it out if you don't love it they'll pick it up for free and you'll get 100 percent refund and they won't even ask a single question why it's like it never happened but uh, they're pretty confident they're, you're going to love what you sleep on. Uh, and that's why everybody from GQ to Forbes has been talking about Helix. And uh, so I urge you to go to helixsleep.com. 
HelixSleep.com slash house. That's H-O-U-S-E, HelixSleep.com slash house, and get $50 off your order. All right, house, U.S. Open odds. A uh, little, little depressing. You and I have been trying to find the fun prop bets to kick around, and uh, apparently nobody wants anyone's money this year at the U.S. Open. What's that all yeah, about? I, I, I don't understand this. What, how can it be the Monday of, of our nation's <laughs> um, championship? And I've gone around to all the usual suspects, all the sites, and all that's out there are, are a handful of futures to win. None of the great stuff, like making the cut or you know head-to-heads, yeah. none of that stuff is out yet. It's Monday. We're ready to roll. I'm ready to spend some money. Come on. Come on, gambling sites. <laughs> Give us something to work yeah. with here. Yeah, we don't need to know that Danny Willett's 40-1 to 1 and Brant Snedeker's 60-1, to 1, do we, yeah. really? I guess. We do have I, uh, I, we do have one site. The sportsbook.ag um, has oh. the, um, some odds on top tens and some odds on top fives. But let's talk about odds to win. Um, you know me. I'm not touching anybody that's under 35-1. to 1. Because I think oh, the 35. odds, are, you know, it's just oh. such a uh, were forty to a one. bad return on investment. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So with that in mind, who you got? Who do you who do you like? Well, I'm. It's still early yet. I'm still early with my research, and I, I promise that uh, okay. as the week develops and I I um, drive in towards some conclusions, I'll I'll put on the Twitter. I'll tweet out some of my. Um, some of my, uh, I'm not going to call them winners, but some of my selections. The I'm going to be doing a few things. I'm going to build a couple make-the-cut parlays. I like to take two or three or four guys who I think are going to make the cut and, and jam them all together. And that's the only way you'll see me touch any of the overwhelming favorites. You know, I, I'm going to build a couple make-the-cut parlays off of these anchors, off of the anchor of McElroy and the anchor of Jason Day. I love those two. That's two to start with. And then I'm going to put a, pair them up with another couple guys, maybe three guys, and come up with some four-way and five-way parlays on make the cut. I'm also going to do a bunch of top tens, maybe five, six, seven, eight top ten wagers. And I'm only going to do maybe four or five outright to win guys. And I know you just asked me for my outright to win. Here, here's who I'm, I'm looking at. I'm not dug in yet, but here's who I'm looking at. I'm looking at a guy like Brandon Grace. I love his form right now. I love what he did last year all the way up until the train tracks on 17. Um, he has the, 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 the fortitude. He's shown it to us. Uh, a couple other guys I like. I'm looking a little bit at, uh, so Brandon Grace at 50 to 1. I'm looking at a guy like Billy Horschel. Ooh, he's up to 50 to now? One. Wait, 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 wait. He's up to 50? Brandel's up 50? The, the, I'm uh, Brandon. Brandon, what, wow! What nice. do you have him at? Oh, I had him at thirty to one. The la- in the one I pulled up, uh, that's fantastic to get him at fifty. Yeah, if you, I, he, I he just printed the these low. off. These are the current wind. odds. If I, okay, if he's there at fifty, I'm t- I'm well, he's coming in. Yeah. Nobody's paying attention to him, so it makes sense. Um, right, he, he's a g- phenomenal putter, and and I'll tell you the one thing, House, the golf course with it being more exposed. Yesterday when it was windy. It's just incredible how windy it gets over this property. And he hits the ball nice and low. Uh, and, you know, it hurts him a little off the tee. He won't get any roll at all but uh, that he might be used to. But, man, he can flight it and he can putt. And he is an absolute 
uh, steal there because, as you said, he came to the 16th last year, hit it into the railroad, and he, he could have won the Open last year. So, uh, yeah, and he I won earlier this year, I meant so 16th. great pick. So that there, there, there's one guy I'm looking at. It's okay. Um, I like Billy Horschel. Billy Horschel is a, is a horse for the U.S. Open. A bunch of good finishes in the last handful of years. And I really like that he um, he was uh, fourth at Marion, which is the last time the Open had an over-par winner. And I this, this one feels very much to me like an yeah. over-par winner. And I like Horschel as a grinder. And I especially like him at that... 80 to 1 number. Good, you can have him. He's all yours. <laughs> you're you're out on Horschel. <laughs> it's all yours, baby. You can Yeah, I'm I'm not a Horschel fan. Well, you know, I found out he blocked me on Twitter the other day. I wasn't very happy. I went to go look at a tweet and uh, yeah, he was pounding about something I wrote about how he at the uh, Masters how he didn't complain about his ball blowing into the water, which he he should have, but he he was afraid to upset the green coats and uh, I guess he didn't like the item and uh he he bitches about most golf courses and and doesn't really say the smartest thing. Uh, so uh, this golf course, I just can't see him <laughs> enjoying some of the challenges well, out here. I, I, I he just gets lets courses get to his well, head he, too he, easily. I, so I, he's all yours, yeah, baby. This, I, I like the Marion um, as as precedent for this. He performed very well, and I, I liken this 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 okay. whole setup, this East Coast vibe, to something that may fit him. Uh, I'm looking at Brant Snedeker. Okay. I like Sneds. Uh, he is on my sheet at, at uh, sixty to one. Um, he was twenty third at Oakmont, two thousand seven, uh, and I like very much this little nugget. Uh, seven of his last eight U.S. Opens, he's had a nice top twenty-five finish. So you never know what you're going to get with him. He's been a little spotty this year. I thought yeah. the round that he put up at Torrey uh, was the second best round that I've seen in twenty sixteen. Um, that that was the round that eventually that uh, won him the tournament out of Torrey and uh, that Farmers Insurance Open. Um, he's right behind Ken Duke. Ken Duke 65 at the Players is the best round that I've seen this year. Um, but I like Sneds uh, at that that mm. 60 to one yeah. number. And then one other guy, my last one okay. uh, is a guy that's been uh, under the radar a bit uh, on the U.S. tour. Russell Knox. I like. Um, I like his form right now. Not a, not a long track record on the, at the U.S. Open, but I just like his form. Very nice, nice one. Uh, I would counter him with a with a Matthew Fitzpatrick if you're looking for a, a European not getting a whole lot of attention uh, coming in. Just a sensational young player, drives it pretty straight. Uh, great. Oh, he just has a great all around game, and he seems to like. Uh, well, he just won. He just won at the Nordia. Was it the Nordia Masters? What do he you call did. that tournament? Uh, he did. And, uh, you know, not the greatest field ever, but it's, who cares? It's a win. And uh, good golf course that he won on. And he saw a bunch of different conditions. So, I mean, he can play in anything. He's he's just shown himself to be uh, just really one of the budding talents in the game. And he, he kind of left Northwestern after a semester, and you sort of wondered what was going on there. But he's another one of these players, uh, Chubby Chandler's his agent, and just seems to chubby always gets his players to really lay out a great schedule and he's been balancing kind of the america versus europe thing well and i i just i just love the way he's playing and it seems like this is the kind of place some young nerves well um somebody who's who's uh shown he likes american inland golf even though he's from the uk uh so uh, i have him at 81 i think and uh was he uh 
five to one to oh, top I, ten. I, my, mine is showing him as sixty-five. Like that, these top ten numbers. Yeah, if I can get him at eighty to one, I want him. But uh, so anyway, he's he's an, he's a guy to look at. I, our our guest last week, Jim Furyk, uh, sentimental pick in a sense, nearly won here last time. But uh, Jim is somebody who gets very up for places like this in his home state, and who has the patience to just kind of grind it out and and hit a lot of fairways and hit a lot of greens. And he sounded confident when we talked to him on last week's show about mapping out a little bit of a plan for this place. So um, I would not uh, not discount his chances. Yeah, no, I'm I'm looking at. Let me see what his odds are to, for a top ten. He's an eighty to one to win. I'm not. I'm going to touch that. Uh, let's see what he is for a top 10 here. Where is my man, Furyk? Uh, he's a plus 550, so five and a half to one to, to for a top 10 finish. And he's got the track record of having done, so that might be worth 50 bucks, 25 bucks. Yep. Hey, Jeff, there's, there's one name that we haven't talked about, and his name hasn't shown up in a few weeks, and it's because he was... Uh, He's been pulling out of tournaments with injury, and I don't know if that's protective or what. You really liked Justin Rose earlier this season. Um, you liked him as a, a not a sleeper pick, but he was a, an inside slot at the Masters. What? Any any thoughts on Justin Rose and at this at this venue? Um, has good feelings about the U.S. Open in Pennsylvania for sure. He does. I'm just. I'm just. I can't get that putting stroke out of my mind right now. Where he's he made the switch. Right before the Masters, and and the, the the putter hasn't been very cooperative since. And I guess I'm just kind of hung up on that house. I can't on greens like this. It's just hard to see somebody uh, who isn't a kind of a almost a, a, a magician on these greens uh, being able to contend. I, I, I wish I could. I wish I could be more confident because I do feel like uh, he, he, he's such a, a U.S. Open type player with the way he strikes the ball, and maybe that's enough. Um, but I got to tell you, if I mean, if it was between him and Adam Scott of players you want to think of who are great ball strikers and and you know just so so on the greens, I, I I just still feel more strongly about about Scott uh, at this point, even though he's cooled off from the early start, um, and that that's kind of. I haven't seen anything that, that makes me thrilled about Rose. I have one, one, one last name for you I want to get a reaction to, and, and uh, I should have put him in earlier. Uh, and I'm only, I'm only um, circling him because the odds um, seem out of whack for him, and that's my main man, Charles Schwartzel. Uh, he is showing up on mm, my sheet okay. at uh, he's a plus 500 on a top 10, and Ooh. he is a 65-1 to 1 to win. He's got a very good record in majors. Why? Why am I getting sixty-five to one with my main yeah. man Charles? Ah, because he just kind of comes in quietly, like Brandon Grace. Just not somebody that people pay much attention to, and the betters don't really pay attention to what they do elsewhere outside of the United States. And I think that's a phenomenal choice. Um, he uh, passed on the players, and um, you know he just kind of does things his own way. But but like Grace, just can kind of embrace the sort of par golf and and has no issues with with having to deal with a tough golf course so uh i think a, a perfectly uh wise choice especially if those numbers kind of keep creeping up as nobody pays attention to them oh good all right well i have the makings uh-huh. of a sheet here 
Okay. Um, Kepka, you know, kind of had a nice week there in Memphis. How about uh, one last thing we have to kick around uh, at the U.S. Open? Then we'll, we've got one other topic, and we've got uh, a guest here. But um, Dustin Johnson, great week, uh, to, or at least an end of the week there in Memphis. And uh, I just, I, I don't know. I, you know, this could be a golf course <laughs> where having a quiet mind and just uh, letting it go and bombing it out there and and making some putts like i said with a little bit of rain that could be the strategy by thursday or friday and i just uh i wouldn't discount him uh i'm a big believer in karma and fate and all these things and you just feel like one of these times for somebody who's been in contention a lot it's going to happen so i love dj and i spent some time this weekend trying to talk myself into him for this u.s open um, the odds for him are, are are not enough. I'm not being compensated enough. Twelve to one is no. is not no. enough. Um, I, no, I, no. I I will be no. rooting for him, but you just talked about him making putts. It's the thing that come Sunday I just don't trust, uh, and it's the same thing that's keeping me away from Rory. I'm still mad at Rory for what he did at the Masters. He was my pick to win the Masters. I like the form that he was in. Um, he's in better form now, and his putting, he was first in uh, uh, strokes gained at the Memorial uh, in, in putting. Yeah. Um, I just don't trust him. I, 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 he could win, yeah. and it wouldn't shock me. No eyebrows raised at a Rory W, right. um, but I just don't trust his putting. The same, that's the way I feel about DJ. DJ, I, I want him to win. I need him to show me. First. I need him to have a breakthrough moment. Okay. I'll be rooting for it. I like rooting for him. I like watching him play. I love his game, but uh, he just, you know, it, it, when it gets to be um, nut crunching time, you know, we have too many examples of him not being able to, to pull through and break through. So, um, good guy to root for. Not anybody okay. I'm going to touch with uh, any wager. Um, and, you know, maybe I would love for him to, 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 to prove us all. That he had, it's been there all along, and he's ready to win. Yeah. By the way, just one last thing we haven't mentioned: uh, Ricky Fowler's name. I saw him at the Pirates game last night wearing a Cardinals hat. I'm sure that was just a disguise. But uh, uh, do note he's playing with Roy McIlroy and Danny Willett, and that's a sensational pairing for those three. Uh, just again, three players who kind of play at the same pace and uh, same attitudes and I, I know that it seems a little odd to, to, to seize on pairings like that but but once you know when a player can get a bad pairing um, you know like Matt Kuchar can deal with with Bubba Watson and Patrick Reed because there will be some different personalities in that group so he's fine but uh, I think that's important when you're out there and uh, in, in what could be six hour rounds this week um, now house we there is another part of the story of the week we have to get to uh, but before we do that, I think you have a word from our friends at MeUndies. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about MeUndies. Uh, yes, I am indeed right this second wearing MeUndies. And yes, I will indeed be wearing them at this week's member guest tournament here in the DMV. I'm playing in a delicious uh, member guest. Uh, maybe we'll talk about this a little bit further as we go along, Jeff. Uh, Westwood Country Club, Vienna, Virginia. Lovely joint. They put on such a great show. It's a wonderful weekend. Coincides with the Father's Day weekend plus the U.S. Open. And I will be wearing MeUndies because not only are they comfortable, they are also, and this is my own repping for the product, by the way. This isn't in my script, son. 
I find them to be performance gear. They keep it all nice and tight as I'm walking around, laying down, getting down. Maybe I do my Camillo when I'm trying to read a putt when I need the angle on the down low. Me undies are right there with me. Every pair of me undies is made from sustainably sourced modal, a fabric twice as soft as cotton. I can indeed confirm that these are twice as soft as cotton. Nothing can describe the fit and feel of MeUndies. Once you try them on, you'll understand why they are called the world's most comfortable underwear. And I like this. If you don't love them, you get them back. They're free. No questions asked. You can keep them. Uh, They have dozens of styles, limited edition prints to help you make a statement, if that's your kind of thing. Shipping is free in the U.S. and Canada. You can save up to $8 a pair with their subscription plan, which I'm I'm actually looking into. Get the subscription or a single pair, 20% off your first order when you go to MeUndies.com backslash house. That's MeUndies.com backslash H-O-U-S-E for 20% off your first order. Performance gear, my friends, MeUndies.com backslash house. Oh, that was beautiful. Make a statement with your underwear. That, that's, a, that's a thought that I will ponder all day today here at Oakmont. Now, House, Fox Sports. Uh, last year was their first U.S. Open. This year is year number two. They've shed Greg Norman. And I, I know that we've talked about players in this great event, and there's so, so many stories here. I mean, I'm just looking up at the, the groupings in the media center, and I see Mike Van Sickle's name. He just got in the tournament today. Mike's the son of Gary Van Sickle, longtime Golf World and Sports Illustrated writer. He's a Pittsburgh guy. He's a, he's a native. I mean, just a phenomenal story in the open. But let's be honest. The television, the broadcast is as big a part of the story now in major golf than, than really uh, anything but the players and the course. And because they tell the story and they set the tone, they set the agenda, they give you an impression of the championship that's good or bad. And I don't think there's any question that Chambers Bay left a bad taste with some people in part because Fox struggled with it last year. And uh, do you think that's a fair assessment? Of course it's a fair assessment. It didn't look good on television, and that was a combination of um, the, the course itself, the um, weird, uh, you know, sort of, um, I guess, colors. I don't know what, how to describe the way it appeared on TV, um, but it was apparent that the, it wasn't, uh, you know, a, a course that was giving the players consistency, but Fox itself was struggling with consistency in terms of um, the delivery of the product. We had some great um, shot tracer on um, you know a variety of different holes. It was honestly the only way to follow the trajectory of the ball uh, many many times, and you know it felt like an audition. The group inside the studio, the guys calling it out on the course, everybody was like a little bit too careful to not step on each other's toes. There was none of that free-flowing conversation that occasionally yeah. touches on mature subjects that I come to appreciate and love out of a <laughs> golf broadcast. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, that's that's not going to be a problem this year. I think that was all Greg Norman's fault. Uh, they've added Paul Azinger. They have tweaked a few things. Corey Pavin's gone. And the booth is now essentially Azinger and Joe Buck, and then but in the same room are are, are Brad Faxon and Steve Flesh, two great, great.
great guys and who are a lot of fun and who were definitely, I think you're right, they were definitely kind of on edge last year. And I think that, that they just kind of had a tone set by Norman that, that made everybody scared to, to intervene. And you just can't have that when you're on for, I believe they're on eight hours on Sunday. And uh, so uh, it, it is interesting to me, though, House, and this is building up to our, our guest uh, today, and why we brought him on because such a big part of the telecast is the tone set by the the, the lead analyst and Joe Buck. I've always loved doing uh, listening to him doing baseball, and I on the list of grievances I had with Fox's broadcast last year, he was he was not that high up except for starting the Thursday broadcast by making us kind of a snide reference to a Johnny Miller comment about how you just don't fall out of a tree and do a U.S. Open. And Johnny was saying it in a, in a way of almost sympathy or, or just trying to convey how difficult this event is to do. <laughs> he wasn't trying to mock Fox, but it's like, it's like uh, you know, doing high school football and then showing up and doing uh, the Super Bowl. It, it, you just can't do it. And that's all Johnny was saying. And, and Fox starts a broadcast off with that. And then it just – so that just – the, the insiders knew what that meant and just said, "Oh, what a what a what an idiot for saying that." But then, but fans just absolutely hated him, and they were brutal. And so I, I didn't find him to be that offensive. I found the lack of fun commentary to be the case. Um, but where, where do you come down on Buck? Because he's again lead analyst uh, this year for Fox. Uh, I have mixed feelings on him. I have come around to um, actually welcoming his voice on Sunday NFL because it means that it's a big game and because, you know, he is now associated with um, so many, many um, great NFL moments. Um, he comes off as, and I think it's it's shtick because all, all of the behind-the-scenes stuff suggests that he is not the pompous prick that he comes off as. But, you know, it is... Uh, you know, it's funny. I thought the golf broadcast last year was a type of confirmation bias, right? We, we, we come in expecting him to be a bit of a pompous prick, and he's dropped into an event that, um, you know, he doesn't have any experience with, and he came off a little douchey. Uh, and that was like that. That was what folks were kind of expecting, and so I think it was it was easy to get the knives out and jump into the social media. I'll be really interested, um, you know, in hearing Brian Curtis's thoughts on on that public persona versus the private persona dichotomy because I you know lots of lots of folks that I know and trust um, say great things about him as a as a guy you know that you would want to go sit down and have a beer with he just doesn't come off that way in the broadcast he did not come off that way on the golf broadcast last year so that that's kind of my take yeah well I I think with Azinger and Faxon the only struggle they'll have this year is I, I not feeling like they're trying too hard or that they're taking away from the national championship vibe. And that's where I sympathize with them because I think it's time for golf to again, again have a booth like it had when Mark Loomis produced at ESPN in the 2000, early 2000s. We had Faldo and Azinger with Tarico as the referee in the middle. And it, it, would, it would spiral at times into the kind of uh, banter that you get like with Kenny and Charles and Shaq on TNT, and it was great fun. And of course, it drove the tour nuts, and uh, that they would do this. But the problem is, it's a U.S. Open this week, and Fox wants to bring a little of that because they're on for eight million hours. And and you're at home, you want some of that. And listening to Azinger, I mean, he is such a cool. 
has such a great golf mind. And the difference between him and Norman, and this is where Buck tried, and, and I think he didn't get the credit he probably deserved. And I, I didn't hear this part of the broadcast because I was out on the 18th hole, but he tried after to get Norman to say, hey, what's it like to be Dustin Johnson in that moment and have what just happened to him happen? And Norman just couldn't do it. Azinger, let me tell you, he'll be, he might even be crying. I mean, he, here's a guy who's he's had cancer. He's won a major. He's won a Ryder Cup. Uh, he's constantly thinking about the game and and searching and trying to find the secret. And he's been on the mini tours. And so he brings this complex range of talents, and that'll be Buck's job to to kind of uh, get that out of him, but then also bring in the other guys and, and have some fun conversations. So so the reason we're, we're kind of all in on this and Buck is that uh, we, we have a great guest this week, uh, Brian Curtis. He's editor-at-large at The Ringer. And Brian is a uh, Fort Worth native, so he, he wrote a piece last year, which I also discussed with him in the interview about Jordan Spieth and the media for Grantland. And then for the Ringer, uh, I believe on debut day or, or early on in the in the uh, week, uh, the first week of the Ringer, Brian wrote a piece he'd been working on where he went back to St. Louis, met with Buck, and and just profiled him. And it's just one of those good long reads that you. It's fascinating the response I got from people. It was oh what a puff piece, what a what a suck up job to Buck. And then and then you you get these other answers like oh my god that was way more than I wanted to know. What a what an interesting complex guy. And I'm like uh, but the ones who were critical, I said hey wait a second. Uh, you learned a lot about him there without the writer injecting his views. That's that's good writing. It's really brilliantly done in that he 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 touches on uh, warts and all, and and you learn about Buck, and and he's he's clearly a complicated guy, and I I just think that was great work by um, Brian. So we're gonna we're gonna discuss with Brian that piece and also uh, a little bit about Jordan Spieth and the media because now we're a year removed from that piece he wrote and I'm kind of curious what he has to say but before we do that we of course have to thank our friends at Callaway who are also associated with the great Odyssey brand Uh, you know what they say drive for show putt for dough and with greens out at a place like Oakmont, uh, when it comes to making putts, guess who's going to be the number one putter this week, House? It'll be Odyssey, as always. They're the number one putter in golf. They've got the most putter wins on tour, including Danny Willett's win at Augusta. Lydia Coe's almost second major win at the KPMG. Of course, she won the Anna Inspiration, the old Dinosaur, earlier in the year. And she just put on another valiant performance with her Odyssey. Uh, and, of course, this year, and I have just put it in my bag, just tested it out on greens that were 12 and a half on the step meter and it performed beautifully the new odyssey full line of white hot rx putters these beauties combine the classic white hot insert field that's beloved by the tour players with an insert feature that provides a better roll check these and other putters out at odysseygolf.com that's odyssey golf the number one putter in golf they are making some beautiful blades these days all right let's get to our chat with brian curtis he's the editor at large at the ringer and we talked about all things joe buck Fox, U.S. Open, and a little bit of Jordan Spieth, too. All right, we're joined by Brian Curtis, the editor-at-large for The Ringer. Brian, thank you for joining us here on the pod from the uh, the Ringer headquarters in Los Angeles. How are you doing? I'm good. Should we do a Joe Buck-style introduction here? <laughs> I'm Brian. He's Jeff. <laughs> uh, you wrote this feature. Uh, how long was this in the works on Joe? 
It was uh, probably about a month, I guess, more or less. Spent reporting with him and uh, one very long day in uh, St. Louis at his golf club and at yeah. his house. Well, you know, as you get into in the feature and, and for golf fans, he was a very polarizing figure last year on the broadcast. Kind of shocked me really how much uh, people really don't like him in a lot of ways. And the golf people were really tough. Um, what prompted you to kind of go at him uh, and take a look at him and call him? Uh, I believe the headline you used uh, was uh, underrated or underappreciated. Yeah, I felt people didn't really understand him terribly well. After, you know, it's not just golf, right? It's right, after right, right. every yeah. big NFL game, after every World Series. This just kind of outpouring of Twitter hate drops yeah. on Joe's head like an anvil. And what was most interesting to me was how somebody like him, who's making millions of dollars and has these giant high profile jobs, deals with that problem, <laughs> right? What do you do? What do you think? And this piece, you know, he, after the Super Bowl, gets on Twitter and searches for Jim Nance's name because he wonders, are they, you yeah. know, are they, well, are they you left out a key fact. He first downloads the app yeah, because right. he deletes the app after he reads all this <laughs> stuff, little, right? He's a little scared of Twitter. And, you know, Joe's had a very good sense of humor about himself. And for the U.S. Open, I think one thing he told me is that there are going to be two outcomes to this. We're they're either going to be the worst thing that ever happened to golf or we're going to be adequate. Mm. <laughs> no one's going to say yeah. we were a revelation in year one. We mm. were great. We were fantastic. Those are going to be the two choices. And of course, most people picked, you know, the yeah. worst thing that's ever happened to golf. Yeah. Well, he didn't help matters, though. I think you you probably know this. Johnny Miller had made a comment, just a passing comment. And the way Johnny said it was not to be rude, but he said, you know, you just don't fall out of a tree and do the U.S. Open. It's the Super Bowl of golf. It's this massive, massive production. And Buck, right out of the shoot last year at Chambers Bay, first thing he says on the air is, you know, you, we haven't just fallen out of the tree here. I mean, he just made, he took a total jab at the line. Like, why would you? Everybody sat there. Why would you do that? And then, of course, it it played out, and they they weren't very good. Yeah, you think these TV announcers are sensitive about what people say about them? It's yeah, it's very funny. I mean. It's a strange way to start, for sure. And with a group of people that had not all that had not worked together, with a guy Greg Norman who had not done yeah. something quite like that. And yeah. of course, the big criticism they got is, you know, when on the 18th hole on Sunday, yeah. nobody, meaning Joe, turns to Greg Norman and says, "Hey, what does that feel like, Greg?" <laughs> and you know, I talked to Joe about that, and mm -hmm. and he just said, you know, basically, more or less, I messed up. And mm. I should have asked him. And Greg was doing what he thought we wanted him to do. Mm. And I should have been the one to draw that answer out of him yeah. and really get it to him. Yeah. One of the things I guess I it surprised me was I thought he was very good in terms of showing a knowledge of golf and the right language. Usually that's what annoys people is when you use the wrong terminology. You say he hit a hole in one or he hit a birdie or something. And Brent Musburger was just done as soon as he made a few comments like that but i thought he was good on that 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 way but it felt like people were just bothered by there's something about his delivery that that really upsets people but as you know it's it's almost a no win i mean jim nance gets uh, hate oh, and think? dan hicks is hated <laughs> you think? yeah you know it's funny with uh with joe i really tried to figure it out you know what is it and i think the thing I finally came to after talking to a bunch of people is that he works so hard on the air to make it look like it's so easy hmm. and that he, you know, doesn't give a damn about what's going on. That smile, that yeah. sort of air of ease that he does everything with. And he studies really, really, really hard. Mm -hmm. He really does. Um, but he makes it look easy. And I think people watching the tournament think, I am so invested in this. Hmm. I am so into this thing. And here you are. 
you know, smiling and and doing it. He told me too. He st- we joke, but he started the broadcast one of the days last year, saying, "I'm Joe. He's Greg." Yeah. And golf yeah. people just freaked out because they said, "This is the U.S. Open, sir. This is not Cowboys Eagles Week Two. This is a big deal." And you know, you are uh, making light of our sport by talking like that. Yeah, golf people do tend to take things a little bit seriously. I got what he was trying to do with that, but it, it as you get into in the piece and a few people comment, it, it tends to just feel at times like he's trying too hard. Um, but I, it, it really is a difficult task. Now, after year one, were you able to kind of get into any of that or what he's kind of anticipating year two? He's got a whole new announced team now. It's He's with Paul Azinger and Brad Faxon. Yep. Uh, he keeps talking about trying to change his delivery. I love him as a baseball announcer. I think he's sensational. I think he makes clutch calls. Um, he's been saddled with some dreadful people on baseball. Yeah. Um, I mean, especially last year, I thought they were just a brutal booth he had to deal with. And now I think he's been given two people who are going to be dynamite together, Paul Ezinger and Brad Faxon. Is that something that he's, I, th- I would hope, looking forward to is kind of maybe taking a little burden off of him. Absolutely. And I think um, the thing about him this year is he's just a lot more comfortable with golf. Here's the funniest thing he said about doing golf versus baseball, for instance. He's not watching the ball with his actual eyes. You know, when he's in a football baseball booth, that's Joe. Now, they, you know, play-by-play guys have teams of producers and they have their color man and they have all these spotters and stuff. But when the ball goes off the bat, that is Joe watching it all go off the bat, the real ball, not on a screen, and him calling that play. With golf, he says, I'm not watching anything. Yeah. You know, and so you're taking basically, it's almost like you're taking the play-by-play man's, you know, mojo away from him. And he said it was more really like being a studio host. It was more like being Kurt Menefee than it was being Al Michaels. You're traffic cop. And he says, when I say, let's go to uh, Jordan Spieth on 16, he says, I'm not watching Jordan Spieth on 16. I just have to trust that some dude in my ear, Mark Loomis on Fox, is, is pointing me to the right direction. Because yeah. so I think it was really he said it was just the whole telecast he spent just getting comfortable. And now he thinks this year with, you know, the, with Azinger and with a different team, he can then talk about the motivations of these guys, you know, kind of poke at them a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, what's Jordan thinking here? Yeah. Right. Well, what's they, Dustin Johnson yeah. thinking right here? Yeah. Right. After what happened last year. The, the one thing that'll be tricky is. Both uh, Azinger and especially Faxon have great senses of humor, and they can have a lot of laughs and be pretty whimsical, whereas Norman takes himself very seriously. It'll be interesting (laughs) to see how he manages that, uh, again, with the the kind of the setting of the U.S. Open and the national championship and and Fox's, you know, the USGA and Fox trying to bring this younger, cooler vibe. But then also it's like how many people really want that on the U.S. Open? I think it's a good question. I mean, Joe, one thing Joe told me, too, is he said, if we were so bad, why did everybody start ripping off some of the stuff we did? Oh, you mean Mike's and Cups suddenly appeared on NBC and the Golf Channel? Oh, what a co- what a coincidence. <laughs> yeah. And I think they are trying to – I mean, they did get some great Jordan Spieth sound, right? I mean, we were able to hear him a little bit more, perhaps, you know, walking the course, <laughs> cursing, you know, a little mm-hmm, bit. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think that part is lost from a lot of golf telecasts. I think the crowd is lost from a lot of golf. You yeah. Know, you, you know, you go to a tournament, even a major. Yeah. It's like a wrestling crowd. Yeah. And that yeah. doesn't come through on CBS, yeah. for instance, at all. You know, that there's a bunch of drunk white oh, guys so quiet. with their polos tucked into oh. khaki pants and, you know, <laughs> they're the 40-year-old wearing the Ricky Fowler flat brim <laughs> hat. Yeah, yeah. It's deadly. Yeah. No, and I yeah, I do take uh, I, I, a couple things. I, I've been fascinated by how much they feel like they innovated on the audio side. And you had something interesting in the piece. 
You mentioned that he that he cranks he he has a sound turned up a certain way or he, he wants very loud yeah he, is it is it a certain feed he wants like crowd noise feed or both the crowd uh, the sound of the golfers mostly and so in a golf okay. tournament he's hearing Jordan Spieth and Greller louder right. than we are yet in home okay so when they start talking he shuts up yeah basically well that's great because that is a number one complaint of golf fans that that announcers talk over those conversations my view is that the least interesting player caddy conversation is is still going to be more interesting than anything the announcers have to say but i was fascinated by when you pointed that out in the piece because he was so proud of that those mics in the cup and everybody who watched at home i was in the media center so my sound wasn't great but i'd ask people like was that really game changing like no we could barely hear it and and yet he kept (laughs) talking about that as like one of the great innovations and i and i have a feeling he may have heard it probably better than anybody in america yeah that's a really good point yeah and i think one thing with joe too is when you understand that he is trying to work in the school of pat summerall another guy who did a ton of golf right that he's really trying to lay back and his challenge is always to talk less and he went, he told me, went to every member of the Fox team last year, and I assume he'll do it this year, and said, if you don't have something fantastic to say that's better, as you said, than the worst caddy golfer conversation, yeah. shut the hell up. And let's just get out, get the heck out of the mm. way and be quiet. And it's one of those things, like, we all kind of like that in theory, I think. And yeah. then we hear that on a telecast, and we're kind of discombobulated by it. Yeah. Um, Especially when they're on for eight hours, which they are, I believe, on the Sunday of the final right. round. It's also a theory last year with Chambers Bay. I mean, that was just such a weird thing Awful. to try to televise. Yeah. Horrible that course some of what people hated about the course got transferred on Absolutely. to Fox. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, they couldn't follow the ball. And I was out there. It was it was so bright. You, it was hard to follow the ball in person. So, yeah, there were absolutely – there were elements. It looked – you know, there's Lynx golf that looks kind of mottled and cool and and like lunar almost. In, in its, <laughs> Lunar's and then one, yeah. and then there's lunar that just looks like oh, I don't want to look at that kind of moonscape. <laughs> and that's kind of what Chambers was. Um, it's an outstanding piece. It's at theringer.com. Now, before we uh, we let you go, though, I want to ask you. You're a Fort Worth guy. You wrote a piece a year ago for Grantland on Jordan Spieth. Yeah. Um, and sort of the golf media, uh, kind of a year later. Uh, just give us an idea of sort of the reaction you got to that piece and, and maybe just give us a little setup of what that was. Yeah, it was just about why the golf press just adored, I thought, Jordan Spieth. And not just his golf game, which was very adorable, yeah. but his personality and his interviews. And I went and watched him uh, at Akron last year talk a little bit to the press and everything. And I kind of thought he was being described in an impossibly likable way. And then you see him talk at a press conference or even in a little scrum after a round. And you're like, Oh wow. You know, he really is as wonky as they want him to be as accommodating. You know, there aren't a lot of stairs and stuff like that. Um, You know, and I I think it was, I think it was Jaime Diaz. who told me it was like, he was uh, on a date and he was at his dates uh, parents house and he was trying to impress the parents. (laughs) That's the way he talks to me. Now, how many athletes, Ever. Yeah. Have we, you know, and, and golf's been pretty lucky, I think, you know, obviously Palmer, you know, back in the day. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas got better, you know, much better as mm-hmm. went on and became very accommodating. And now Nicholas is unbelievable. I mean, he just yeah. goes on and on. Yeah. But a lot of it, I think it was just the post Tiger thing. You yeah. know, those guys having to listen to Tiger for years and years and years. Yeah. I mean, I think what's interesting about Spieth in the media now is after the Masters this year. You know, we saw pieces that popped up like 10 minutes later that said, Jordan Spieth isn't as upset as you think about this. You know, mm-hmm. he's already gotten over it. Well, I would like, you know, maybe, you yeah. know, Colonial notwithstanding. We'll see. 
Yeah. And when he has to, you know, be something other than the impossibly good bright boy and, you know, and a guy who's going to have a lot of struggles and is going to have something else happen, maybe not quite on the <laughs> cataclysmic level right. of the Masters. Yeah. What's he going to be like with the media then? Yeah. What's it going to be like the 50th time he has to do all this stuff? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. And I don't know what the writers will, will deal with, but it's an mm. interesting, he's an interesting cat with the media really is. He is. And, uh, but it is interesting also hearing in this sort of this post-Masters uh, phase and where he has rubbed people the wrong way more and more with the way he is on the golf course. And I feel like that's gotten uh, amped up a little bit in the way people react to that. Whereas he was doing it when he lost the Masters the first time. But is that something that you think is just uh, part of the responsibility of being now a top player that that when he does behave a certain way, drops a club or he's barking at his caddy that – uh, people are now expecting him to behave a little bit differently. Yeah, I mean, as you noticed, he's done this his whole his whole yeah. career. Yeah, he was doing this when he was Mister Nice. Yeah, um, it it never bothers me. Yeah, and I just don't. I think that's Jordan, right? Yeah. And if we're going to love him for being the biggest, craziest self critic of his game, right. shot for shot, right? Right. Never giving up, even when he's you know five strokes ahead and doesn't yeah. need to you know park that one uh, within ten feet, right? Yeah. He. Um, if we're going to be happy with him for that, why would we get mad yeah. when he's, you know, actually human about it and shows it and everything? Yeah. It makes it, by the way, it's compelling. Now, let's face oh, it. Absolutely. Jordan oh. Spieth is not going to be Don Rickles up there, you know, <laughs> even in his best day. Yeah, yeah. So a few, you know, drop clubs and some grumbling to the caddies, if we can hear it on yeah. the telecast. Oh, yeah. oh, I love it. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the man, right? That's yeah. the person rather than the robot. Yeah, exactly. He's not robotic. The thing he doesn't have that you know, Lee Trevino whined a ton when when he played another great Texan, but he could really kind of mute any criticism because of the sense of humor and the joke telling. And yeah, you know, the man was essentially Rickles on a golf course. He was incredible. And Jordan just doesn't have that, and that's fine. I mean, you can't do everything well, you know. <laughs> right. And I think with guys like him, and Roy's probably generally in this camp. You just look for what is the what is the tension here, right? Yeah. yeah. They're so impossibly good. Rory's kind of invented and, yeah. and discovered some tension. But what is the tension to these guys? What is the thing between just going out and being great every day? Yeah. And if it's with Jordan, then he's such a nasty critic of himself and a yeah. bigger critic than any of us are ever going to be. Um, to me, that's that's fascinating. Yeah. Right. And to watch him sort of go through that stroke by stroke yeah. by stroke. Whoa. Well, it should be an interesting week at Oakmont because it kind of brings out everything in everybody, So, uh, and including in Fox and Joe Buck. So <laughs> we thank you for the, the, the great piece. Uh, I will link to it in our, our show notes. And uh, congratulations on The Ringer. Can't wait to see what you're working on next. And, and uh, Brian Curtis, we thank you very much for joining us. Enjoy it out there. We have plenty of sunscreen, all right? Yeah, we will. <laughs> All right, we thank Brian again for taking the time to uh, to write that excellent piece, and we of course urge you to check out the Ringer House. It's time for the speed round. Let's and do you it. You know G-Shack. what that means? It's brought to us by Callaway Golf. Yep, the number one irons in golf. Callaway, featuring 360 face cup technology, more speed all over the face means you're going to hit it longer, and uh, more importantly, they just feel so good and solid, especially those Apex Pros. All right, House, great. Great finish to the KPMG LPGA Sunday night here, uh, or from Sahali. What did you think of uh, Lydia Ko's performance? She was beaten by Brooke Henderson in a playoff. A lot of talk about how this is the future of the women's game. Your take. So I hope that's true. I I really, uh, I watched 
quite a bit of it, and I was really, really impressed. I thought, um, the, first of all, the broadcast was very good. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I was watching it on Golf Channel, but I don't know if it was a shared program between Golf Channel and NBC because the um, all, all all of the the. Um, the golf jumped all over the various channels. The men's tour ended up finishing on an NBC uh, broadcast as well, and the Champions was going on. So <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what, around a few what I was watching where. Uh, yeah, but, CNBC um, to NBC Sports Channel, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was really interested in seeing Sahali, uh, and, you know, that, that delivered to me the Pacific Northwest that my mind's eye kind of expected, all those mature... Um, the the tr- trees that look like they're 250 years old that stand you know 300 feet high and these narrow shoots that the women are are um, driving threading the needle through and I, I I was really impressed by Brooke Henderson um, she won the tournament she went out and grabbed the tournament she you, she didn't win by backing into it by posting a number and letting folks yep. um, you know sort of uh, uh, fail their way um, towards her. She went out and she she had a spectacular um, par save on 18, and then the 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 first hole sudden death playoff, the iron that she hit um, to to three feet under those circumstances was incredible. Uh, I thought the broadcast team they had Annika in there, Annika, pardon me, um, in the broadcast yeah. booth. Um, I think with Terry Gannon and one other. It was a very, very good team. Um, they were doing a good job playing off of each other. And um, I just was overall impressed with the way the course looked, um, the performance by the women. And I hope that this does become, um, you know, the, the sort of future of... But you have two teenagers dueling it out in sudden death um, with excellent play. You know, it wasn't, uh, again, one of these deals where it was a, a, a winner by attrition kind of thing. Did you get to see any of it, Jeff? I did. I watched the playoff. I went to a Pirates game, so I didn't see any of the Memphis, uh, sadly. I, I, I've been wanting to see PNC Park forever. It, it lived up to all the billing. Um, so, But I did get to back in time to watch the playoff, and it was sensational. Of course, the sportsmanship of Lydia and Brooke Henderson is so beautiful to watch. And um, it just was It was one of those events that made you feel good watching it. NBC and Golf Channel were all in with big coverage. Dan Hicks was also there. And uh, I, I just thought it looked uh, came off beautifully. I, I do get a little weary of this talk of uh, the next generation, and here they are. And I, I always feel that's a little disrespectful to people who are still very relevant. And we're, we're starting to get that in the men's game, too. And it's a little more appropriate in the women's game just because of what these players are doing at such a young age. Um, so great, great event though for, for the LPGA to, uh, to have gone there. Cause it looked a little shaky. It started off a little dreary up there. Well, one of the things that <laughs> earlier in the week, and by the way, great crowds. How, how about the crowds? How's yeah. the, the Seattle Tacoma market, man, what sports fans. They're unbelievable. They just uh, come out in droves. They were amazing last year at Chambers Bay. I mean, it was a tough experience and they were, they they toughed it out. It was it was pretty impressive. Well, on on that 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 tour note also, um, the three best players in the world right now in the women's game ended up right there, first, second, third. Um, the the young lady yeah, who, who had won pretty... three consecutive events had birdie had a birdie put on eighteen to also crack that playoff. So that was pretty cool as well. Yeah, no, that says a lot about a facility and all that. All right, so you you last topic you mentioned uh, earlier, you're playing a a member guest. Um, house to 
script or not to script your outfits for the member guests? What say you? So, you know, I, I came very close <laughs> to, uh, I know you're a busy guy. You were on the road this week. Uh, and and our um, our good friend, the producer at CMP, Jeff Newbarth, uh, also on the road, participating in the production of the Fox, um, uh, pr- you know, push out of the U.S. Open this week. You guys are my trusted golf consiglieres. This thing is a legit three day event, and I I thought you know I needed some some uh, some guidance. On outfits, I have a couple. I have a couple, two, three outfits in mind. My number one guiding principle. You know this, Jeff Shackelford. A B H, A B H. Always be handsome, Jeff. Yeah. Now we have oh, the the added, No, I did not know that. that well, yeah. that, that's one you can use. We have the added pressure now as as the Shack House. Now I don't get it recognized. Nobody knows who the hell I am. That's appropriate. But you know, mm. I want to be out there <laughs> repping the brand. I gotta have. I have my Callaway sticks in the bag. My Callaway bag. I wanted a, some some Callaway accessories to go along with my my uh, my outfit. So I, I oh uh, Saturday evening came very close to sending you guys two or three pictures of what I was thinking about. For this week, I have a nice black and white oh, combo no. for, oh. for, for for Thursday. Red, white, and blue, Jeff Shackelford, for Friday, U.S. Open week. And then and uh, my accessory for that one, a nice uh, white Callaway bucket hat. Uh, and then I have um, kind oh, of a, okay. I have a nice gray on gray with some subtle brown for, 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 for Sunday and a delicious Masters belt. Yeah. You and I were together at the Masters. I picked up a nice belt um, with some yeah. brown accents there. Um, so that that's I was I I'm I'm scripted. I don't care. I I own it. A B H. That's how yeah, I roll. I think give, that, give me a reaction. I think I'm going to put you down for a yes on descript or not descript. <laughs> now, House, I just have one thought. It is member guest season, uh, and I'm sure some people listening are are going to be guests or their members hosting. Uh, now, this sounds like a lot of logos. You do know there's a. There's a six logo cutoff that you. It's a two shot penalty if you have anything more than that. You're not. You're not going beyond that, dude. Right? Dude, dude. I'm very discreet. I keep it. I keep it handsome. I mean, it's like it's okay. one logo okay. per thing. I mean, the bag speaks okay. for itself. The six speak, speak for themselves. There's only going to be one noticeable logo. Well, that's my um, point. Though. Per item. Yeah. I mean, like a hat. I'll have a hat. I'll okay. have a Callaway well, hat. Said. The pants don't have logos okay. on them. Okay. All right. The shirts and, might have a tiny logo. Wanna, you know, go down a total rat hole here because I know our production team is just loving these two men discussing fashion. But um, is there a white belt in this in your future? Your member I, guest future. I, you know what? I'm a middle aged white dude. I know the rules, and I'm breaking yeah. them. I'm breaking That's the rules. There's one yes. white belt. I have oh, one white belt in this outfit. Oh. I have to confess, I do have a white belt in the mix. <sighs> okay. Well, I I asked and. And I will leave it at that. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna take uh, pictures. I'm gonna get pictures belt. taken and sent. Just to you, though. Okay. I'm not putting yeah, them on social sh- media. I'm just sending them to you. Okay, and we'll put them together in a collage, and uh, we can see these scripted outfits. The white bucket cap worries me, but um, I hope it's not too Spalding Smales. But uh, hopefully, you'll pull it off. I'm doing it. I don't care. All right. So, uh, well, it's it's been a lot of fun. Now we have a couple little housekeeping things to uh, to kick around here. Uh, I don't think you wore the white belt on Callaway Live, but I can go to the Callaway TV app on the new Apple TV or, or your Roku device to, uh, to 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 play it back and see if you did wear a white belt. I think you went untucked on that, so I think we're safe. Even if you were wearing a white belt, uh, if we went to the Callaway TV app on the Apple TV, we couldn't see that, but we could see. 
Uh, some great instructional stuff like 30 Seconds to Better and uh, Hank Haney's next project. Hank is uh, a Callaway man and doing some really cool content. Of course, all Callaway Lives, including the Shack House that you and I are on just a few weeks ago. Though I, something tells me that uh, most people, when they pull up the new, the new app on their Apple TV, that the Phil Mickelson and Jimmy Dunn episodes will be uh, getting a lot of plays. They were both sensational. Uh, Phil for the fun of it, Jimmy Dunn for the emotional uh, stuff that was, was pretty empower, powerful. Uh, and this week on Callaway Live, Ed Stack, CEO of Dick Sporting Goods, is on right here from Pittsburgh. They're, uh, they're, uh, they're coming to uh, the CEO of Dick Sporting Goods' hometown to uh, talk to them all things golf. So it's the best of Callaway on your TV, Callaway TV on Roku and the new Apple TV+. Plus. Finally, today's podcast was brought to you by the new HBO series, Any Given Wednesday with Bill Simmons, and of course, The Ringer, presented by Miller Lite and our friends at Helix and MeUndies. We thank you all. Uh, I'm Jeff Shackelford, jeffshackelford.com. I'm going to be here at Oakmont covering the Open. Uh, House House from D.C. on Twitter. He will uh, hopefully not be live-tweeting his member guests, probably against the rules. But I uh, hope you get to see some of the Open. God knows it's on plenty of hours and uh, late in the day. Fox Sports 1, Fox uh, on the weekend. And, of course, uh, everybody, if you're at the office, the U.S. Open apps are pretty cool this year. No Fox Sports Go. It's all U.S. Open featured groups, whole coverage, the whole thing. It's going to be a great week. I hope the weather holds because Oakmont is an amazing place. You're going to have a blast watching it. There will not be a dull moment out here, right, House? I can't wait. I can't wait to have this conversation a week from now. And I will be tweeting out on the Twitter my uh, final selections for some of these wagers that you and I were just discussing, Jeff. Mm. We've got to get out Good. there the, the point of view of the at least at least the, the, the house portion of the Shack House. And on that note, we'll talk to you next week. Look forward to the U.S. Open. Hope you enjoy it. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.